You're listening to the IBSI Views podcast. This is Gaia Lamperti, and today we are joined by Ed Adshead Grant, Board Advisor and GM for Payments at Bottomline. Hello, Ed. How are you doing today? Hi, Gaia. Very good, very good. In London, it's FinTech Week London, so a busy week walking around London and uh, seeing what's, what's going on. Yes, indeed. A lot of new reports coming out at this time of the year because the industry is coming together to sort of discuss the progress of fintech innovation. And the reason why today we're having this chat is because Bottomline as well has recently released the Business Payments Barometer for 2022. We could start by talking about the significance of this publication at this time as pretty much the entire industry has embraced the digital transformation. Yeah, I'd be delighted. Delighted to share background and, and uh, well, so with the business payments barometer, uh, we saw a, a couple of years, a couple of years back, actually, seven years, this is the seventh edition that we've uh, published this information. We saw a gap in the market where we thought the voice of the corporate was underrepresented in the payments industry. Uh, the, the banks are very good at payments. Uh, they drive a lot of the agendas and investments, but we wanted to bring the businesses, the SMEs, the corporates into that field of research and further investment. With the Business Payments Barometer, I think we've created some interesting data points and we try hard to move beyond the, the jargon on behalf of corporates. So you know, things like open banking doesn't mean the branch is open on a Sunday, as my mother and uh, others may say, but we actually try and translate it into corporate land so that all these investments that fintechs like Bottom Line and banks are doing are relevant and meaningful when it gets to the financial director's desk in terms of their options moving forward. That's kind of the background. Um, and this year, it's uh, 1,600 banks that we surveyed with the help of Ipsos to continue the trend lines that we've been picking up over the last few years and hopefully bring insights to the table for the whole industry. Wow, that's so great. That's quite a lot of players you've been monitoring. And I realized by reading the, the report that this is, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the first year you also explored the US market because previously it used to be more UK, Europe focused. That's correct. Yeah, we started in the UK. And then this year, really out of curiosity and, and reality that payments is a global industry, that uh, we could bring in the US side of corporates. And, and bottom line, trades as a very large US and UK fintech. So we're always looking for connections, things across border, which uh, is another big topic in payments, just cross-border payments, and seeing how we might be able to help ourselves with the data that comes out of US and UK research like this. Amazing. Well, I'd say let's go to the meat. The report covers a lot of areas, a lot of different segments and subtopics within the payment realm. Um, so I'd like to start by asking you in particular, looking at the current climate, so post-COVID, turbulence in the markets, what have been the impacts on the industry of the recent events and how is the ecosystem as a whole resetting to get ready for what comes next? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a great question. And for your listeners, they'll find when they get hold of this report, there is a lot of data in there. So let me pull out three findings uh, to highlight. And there are many more that perhaps we can go to. But the first one stems out of, of course, COVID-19. I mean, a, a super normal shock to the economy, the supply chains and how, how we do business and therefore how businesses pay and get paid. So top of the list this year, again, was COVID-19. And what did it actually mean? 
Well, the surprise was empirically we found there was a lot more insider fraud. Uh, the figure in the in the research is fifty two percent in the in the GB side, the Great Britain side of business have actually experienced or known insider fraud, which is a massive number out of the COVID nineteen first element. Then, second, let me quickly run through the three. Second one is more towards the disappearance of cash and checks in the business ecosystem. 22% of businesses now refuse to accept those tender types, which I think is an interesting one to track, particularly as we work on the US data from this year onwards, because 40% of US uh, B2B payments are still by check. So huge amount of checks in the system, and we'll, we'll have to see whether that's still a permanent change, a structural change moving forward. And alongside that, there's, there's new technology that's replaced it, of course, um, from contactless to faster payments to all sorts of mobile payments. We, we feature a lot about mobile payments into businesses. Um, and then third and final, very quick, is really the digitalization that comes out of the data. Um, various stats throughout that support that argument. A lot of cloud-enabled payments coming in, and often not seen by the corporates. It's, it's in the plumbing. It's for, it's for fintechs like ourselves and others to just modernize the plumbing and make sure everything's 24-7 and accessible so that businesses can enjoy the modernization that they can bring into customer journeys and, and payment operations, be it accounts payable, accounts receivable. So those kind of things. So the COVID that led to inside fraud, the diminishing of cash and checks, and this whole digitalization as technology came in were probably three of the highlight findings I'd want to bring to the table. That's so interesting. Thank you for that. And I'm, I'm thinking you mentioned a few of these um, technologies and how this segment is embracing many of them. So I'm wondering, because payments is probably the, the vertical we hear the most about, and is, is this maybe the most receptive one to open up to embrace new technologies like maybe blockchain technology, or you mentioned mobile payments, it's becoming a big one. Yes, maybe what are some of the most widely spread and adopted innovative technologies in this segment? And what are some of the challenges that they are helping to tackle? I think it is a segment that um, probably is, well, it is behind some other verticals like um, energy and travel, where API economy journeys are already triggered and in place. We're getting there in payments, but I think with financial services, there's a certain resilience, robustness that has taken more time to get into place. So whether the regulators involved or not, which is actually a difference between the US and, uh, and the UK work here, it still takes time to adopt and bring in modernization of critical national infrastructure. And And no one's going to thank you on, uh, on, on a Friday afternoon if you're trying to close out a mortgage payment uh, to, to buy a house and some system is down and, you know, the economy can't function. So we do go slower in this industry, as I think your listeners will uh, recognize. But the pace of that technology, be it the API economy, the cloud-enabled consumption of these solutions, really is... Uh, jumping ahead. And I think the COVID piece has probably moved us forward at least five years uh, within 24 months. 
Definitely, that's so relevant. And this is something I'm hearing very often from different representatives of the industry that COVID literally accelerated a process that was already going to happen, but it's really happening way faster. And Ed, you mentioned how regulation in particular works very differently in US and Europe. Um, So I was wondering, because you monitored those two regions, did you notice also some regional trends, maybe something very specific for the UK market versus the American market when it comes to payments? Um, Yeah, I think overall, when we look at the data sets, there was actually no significant differences. And and maybe that's a finding in itself, that a payment is a payment, whether it's coming in, going out. And so a lot of the data sets, when people look at this, are plus minus within 10% of of each other. If you're looking at late payments, that was common. Um, Suffering fraud was common. People wanting more visibility on on their accounts receivable was common. but perhaps one, well, a couple of bits, yeah, that I pull out that definitely was different um, through this work. One is actually um, attitudinal. I found a difference in the attitude, for example, in treating fraud. So we had um, 57% of the US companies were ready to write off fraud, while in the UK, uh, there was a bigger belief that you could recover these potential losses. It was only 47%, a lower amount. Um, that were willing to forego some of these fraudulent efforts. And it made me think back to the days of chip and pin. If you go to the card payment market, the very last geographical market to adopt chip and pin was the US. And maybe it's something to do with the scale of operations, the scale of change. But um, I could see a trend coming out of this year's numbers that the, the US was slower to sign off a business case that would actually invest and change those that, that leakage the other bit was, as you mentioned, regulators. It's that they play such an important role in different markets on how they intervene or leave to free market dynamic. So across this uh, business barometer, you can pull out some differences where in the GB geography, the regulators are more interventionist, especially things around fraud. So we have some schemas, some services in Great Britain going on around confirmation of payee some other open banking enhanced areas that uh, banks can adopt for their corporates for payments. While in the US, there's nothing quite as clear and certainly not mandated. So I think the regulators have a really important part to play in the innovation and the competitiveness of solutions that banks and fintechs can take to their corporates for payments. Absolutely, 100%. And fraud is at the core of this report. There's an entire section dedicated. Um, So maybe, Ed, would you like to share a couple of key takeaways on what are some of the approaches that different companies, maybe even in different geographies, as you just mentioned, are taking to tackle the issue? Maybe how the new digital approach is helping and supporting to get there? Yeah, sure. And maybe I'll go a little bit deeper on, on a couple of items that I mentioned, because Another number just to throw out to listeners um, that came out this year is that only 2% of small, medium businesses get the majority of the money back, get anything over 50% of the attempted fraud recovered, only 2%. So you have to move to a prevention model rather than cure when this activity is live. And the usual advice is to you know, review the loopholes and get your controls right and, and educate the finance teams, because of course, it, fraud could be internal as much as external. So given the background that only 2% get the majority of their funds back, what do we see in the market? Well, 
globally, we have this ISO uh, 20022 standards coming in, which, which many people will be familiar with. And that's exciting for us because you get better inputs into the sort of fraud technology that's out there to scan and monitor transactions. So um, now to a corporate 20022, we'll just sound like a bundle of numbers, but the message we need to get out to the corporates is we are getting better data elements, better tags, better enrichment of the data to pick up anomalies and prevent fraud in the first place. So it really helps that, that, that we've got networks like SWIFT pushing mandates on 20022 for better information. And also with standards, things become more interoperable for those corporates working across borders. They find that with standards, and the G20 are very big on this at the moment with their reviews on cross-border payments, message flows will have similar formats that could be tracked and traced and become interoperable. And then finally, on that global piece, the machine learning gets triggered. In the industry, we call it back propagation, just a fancy word for, for learning models, so that the extra data that flows through is more effective. You get less false positives, and the journey is, is so much better, cleaner, and correct under the 2022. So that's a really big global piece that will come through to corporates and they can benefit from. On a much more local piece, more on, on the Great Britain UK piece, I've mentioned confirmation of pay either. Why that's significant, I believe, is it's um, triggered by open banking underneath, which is a global phenomenon. And through the engine of open banking, the regulator has mandated this service called confirmation of pay. And what they're doing there with their intervention is they're focusing on the authorised push payment fraud that's gone up 39% this year. It's nearly £600 million in the UK, bigger than card fraud. So there had to be a way for banks to stop the authorised push payment. We've all seen these smishing attacks and uh, uh, impersonation frauds that have gone through the system. All of that goodness and investment will start to flow through to corporates this year, 2022 and into 2023, because they all want to make sure they're paying the right person and confirming the payee so that the account name matches the account number and sort code that they think they're paying. So okay, a couple of bits there, a big global play that helps us. And then an example of things like COP in the UK, which uh, is starting to attack the fraud problem. Amazing. Great image. Thank you. Lastly, I'd say after reading the entire report, what is going to be the idea for the future? What are these data points, maybe, you know, touching upon cloud and mobile adoption and real-time payments? What are they telling us about what's coming next in the industry? And what are maybe some of your personal prediction or on behalf of bottom line, what can we expect for the next couple of years? Well, the next couple of years, a crystal ball question. I think for me... The, the, the one I would pick out is, in terms of data, it's, it's going to become much more real-time. So, so, for example, I've just mentioned open banking, which uh, I'm sitting in London right now, has a superb setup for the adoption of open banking. And many countries, I think it's over 50 countries now, have active open banking programs. What does that mean as a prediction? Well, it means you get much more real-time data. And that means real-time decisions for corporates to manage their cash positions, to uh, bring in the account receivable visibility that they need. So visibility will improve, controls will improve, fraud hopefully will drop with some of the COP-powered um, open banking ideas. And I think it flows through to a corporate scratching their head as well in terms of their customer journey. We're going to see much more hyper-personalization 
by having access to real-time customer data through open banking mechanics. So what does that look like? I, I predict a, a flavoring of payments, as I would call it. So if you're in the shipping industry, you'll have a lot more documentation and data around the payment that, that flavors that, that moment of truth with the customer. Or if you're in the pharmaceuticals, you can add more data load to the payment real time to, to flavor the payment rather than being a separate bank session on a, on a single transaction. So, so I predict more personalization, more contextual payments coming through. And then I always have a, a desired prediction uh, with these reports, Guy, that we do better at getting rid of the jargon. So uh, for all fintechs out there and banks and other listeners, we do fall into the lexicon of the uh, geeky payment industry fintecher. And so with this piece of work, we're always trying hard and predicting a better job where we can translate the relevance of all of our work and good intent into a treasurer's operation into the accounts payable, accounts receivable. So we can talk about reduced DSO rates. We can talk about fraud prevention, receivables, visibility, electronification of checks to ACH in the US, where, where we have a, a very large network that we're, that we're growing in the US. Um, yes, all of that would be a great result. And if, if this piece of industry work helps to get real-time decisions into the corporate and help us translate all of our intentions and activity to real benefits for their customer bases, I think we'd be in a great place. Sure. It was great to hear also the perspective of the customer, like the learnings about what, what the customer want now and what they focus on. And yes, I absolutely agree that the, the next new challenge for fintech and financial services at large should be moving away from the jargon, especially because this industry is becoming more and more open to other players, to e-commerce, to retail. So there's no reason why it should be exclusive instead of instead of accessible and easy to grasp. Yeah, literally accessible language. I know we talk a lot about access to networks and payments and everything, but you're right, just access to the language. Maybe some of the practitioners, the incumbent practitioners, use the fancy language to even protect what they're doing. But um, I've, I've loved this week at, at, uh, in London at FinTech Week, just hearing the innovation and the newcomers and the awards won by, by companies we'd never heard of two, three years ago. And, and the money's coming in, the ideas are coming in so that we can continue these innovation cycles and bring more to the corporate. Thank you very much for your insights, Ed. It was a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Guy. I really appreciate uh, the invitation to come and talk about the, the, uh, the business barometer. Thank you.